A chase. A British Corvette under full sail pursues her target across the sparkling water somewhere near Cape Florida. Ahead of her, a Bermuda sloop slices through the waves, its staring captain making off with precious stolen cargo and a half dozen kidnapped crewmen. A puff of smoke appears from the bow of the Corvette, followed by the loud report of a cannon. A spray of water bursts into the air off the sloop's prow. Aboard the pursuing ship, a sailor yells out readings from the sounding lines. Seven fathoms! Six fathoms! Five fathoms! On the forecastle, the captain grimly lowers his looking glass. His first lieutenant turns to him, fear in his voice. Captain, we'll be smashed upon the reef! His brow furrowed, the captain glares after the ship that is about to humiliate him, watching as it tacks expertly, showing no loss of speed. Four fathoms, Captain! Comes the shout from the lead. The captain closes his eyes, grimacing. Heave to, Lieutenant. Heave to! Screams the officer. Bring her about! Smartly now! Smartly! Hurry, men! As the ship comes to a standstill, the captain peers through his glass again, watching his assailant navigate the treacherous shallows off the distant shore. Rounding into a cut between some islands, the sloop disappears behind the low line of brush, leaving only its mast and sails visible above the vegetation. As he watches, the sails come down, and suddenly there's no sign of the ship at all. Who do you think he is, Evans? The captain mutters. I've a right idea that's the ghost of Biscayne Bay, sir. A man they call Black Caesar. Welcome to the story of Miami. Episode 8, The Legend of Black Caesar. Today, we're going to take a little detour from our main storyline to talk about one of the oldest stories in all of Miami lore. The story of Biscayne Bay's very own swashbuckling, ship-stealing, treasure-bearing pirate mythical figure known as Black Caesar. A few episodes back, we learned about the golden age of the pirates of the Caribbean, who sailed the waters all around Florida during the 1600s and early 1700s, and whose biggest stronghold was the city of Nassau, just a short distance from Cape Florida. Well, it is said that one such pirate made a name for himself, and a home, right here on the shores of Biscayne Bay. Black Caesar, as the legend goes, was a great warrior. He was widely revered and respected not only in his own village on the coast of West Africa, but in the villages throughout the land. He was known for his tremendous strength and intelligence and his great exploits, leading his people to victory against neighboring tribes. One day, a European merchant visited Caesar's village and asked for an audience with the great warrior. The merchant presented Caesar with a beautiful and elegant sword, describing how it had been forged by the blacksmiths of the islands of the Far East. He invited Caesar onto his ship to peruse the many other rare items he carried, and Caesar, impressed by the fine quality of the sword, obliged. But as Caesar browsed the items and admired their craftsmanship, the conniving merchant quietly had the anchor raised and his sails unfurled. 
and his boat slowly pulled away from the shore. By the time Caesar came above deck and realized that he had been tricked, he was already a mile out to sea. The merchant's men seized him and bound him in shackles, and he watched helplessly as his home, his family, and everything he had ever known disappeared over the horizon. The evil merchant had Caesar taken below decks and set sail for the new world, assured that the great warrior would fetch a hefty sum in the slave markets there. But fate had other plans. As the merchant's ship sailed into the Caribbean, it was caught up in a great tempest. Amid the howling rain and violent waves, Caesar seized the opportunity, overpowering his captors and commandeering the ship's rowboat, riding off into the churning sea as the merchant's ship was smashed by the storm. Everyone perished. Everyone except Caesar. The next morning he awoke on the calm shores of a small island. Looking around, he found himself in an alien world, with other dune-covered islands and thick mangroves all around. He searched the island but found no fresh water, but he did find the rowboat he had taken from the merchant's ship, and he used it to row to the next island and then the next. He was in a world of islands with no sign of the mainland. Was this, perhaps, the Bahamas? No, he was in the Florida Keys, the Martyrs as they were still known at the time. And using the rowboat to get from island to island, Caesar made his way gradually up the island chain until he came at last to the mainland, beside the glittering water of Biscayne Bay. There, he found freshwater rivers and abundant wildlife. At the southern end of the bay sat Elliot Key, the last of the true Keys. The long, narrow island was full of convenient little coves and hidden beaches that seemed perfect for staying hidden. And it was here that Caesar finally made camp. With his camp secured, Caesar could finally think about his situation. He was all alone, thousands of miles from home, in a hot, muggy, alien landscape. He had no ship or any idea where he was, but Caesar was nothing if not resourceful. He could see the sails of ships off on the horizon, dozens and dozens of them, going to and fro, and he resolved to get help. He rode his rowboat far out into the Gulf Stream, so far out that he would never be able to swim back should anything go wrong. But he could see the ships getting closer, and after rowing for what seemed like hours, he was finally intercepted by a French corsair. Caesar hailed them in distress, yelling for rescue. The French ship quickly pulled up next to him, crew members threw lines over, and Caesar was hauled aboard. The French captain greeted Caesar, admiring the man's impressive stature. He had the cook prepare Caesar a hot meal and gave him a cot where he could get some rest. But while Caesar slept, the captain had him seized and thrown into the brig, where he was holding several other men captive. Once again, Caesar had been betrayed by a man who sought to sell him into slavery. But Caesar was ready this time. He had stolen a fork from the ship's mess and bent it around his finger, disguising it as a ring. Now, he unbent it, and using the tines, he picked the lock of the prison, freeing himself and the other prisoners. They ambushed the prison guard, knocking him unconscious and taking his pistol. Then, under the cover of darkness... 
Caesar led them stealthily to the captain's quarters, where they awoke him at gunpoint. Having escaped being kidnapped twice now, Caesar resolved that he would never again trust another ship's captain. From now on, he would fend for himself. Caesar ordered the captain and the whole crew into the rowboat. He and the other freed prisoners set them adrift and set sail for Biscayne Bay to return to Caesar's camp. Caesar was a courageous and shrewd leader, and the men soon grew to admire him greatly. They were all outcasts, with the odds stacked against them, but Caesar had given them a second chance, and together the ragtag band learned to fend for themselves and to prosper on the riches of the Gulf Stream shipping. When they lacked food or supplies, they needed only go a few miles to sea to find an unsuspecting ship to raid. And over time, Caesar's band of men grew as more outcasts found a home on Elliot Key, and they developed into an efficient and disciplined team. Caesar developed all kinds of ingenious tactics, soon earning himself a reputation. Be careful near the shores of Cape Florida, the ship captains would say to each other. Black Caesar's there, the ghost of Biscayne Bay. It is said that Caesar affixed an iron ring to a rock in a deep channel and would run a rope attached to the top of his ship's mainmast through it. And combining their strength, his men would heave the ship over until it was floating on its side, completely hidden behind the low sea grape and mangroves of Elliot Key. And when an unsuspecting ship wandered by, a little too close to shore, Caesar's men would cut the line, the boat would spring upright, the sails unfurl, and Caesar would bear down upon his victim and attach boarding lines before the poor ship's captain even knew what hit him. And when Caesar rankled too big of a foe and found himself outmatched, he could always make a hasty retreat. With his intimate knowledge of the shallow waters around Cape Florida, he could outmaneuver any large ship whose crews feared for their lives any time they came too near the perilous shores of Florida. It is said that Caesar and his men would escape into the bay and deliberately sink their ship, completely hiding it from any pursuers who came to the shore. He could thus slip into the dense hammocks, leaving not a trace of his presence to be seen. Caesar and his men soon became wealthy through their exploits, and their base on Elliot Key became a home. Indeed, it is said that Caesar buried vast quantities of treasure there, which remains undiscovered to this very day. Eventually, stories of the ghost of Biscayne Bay reached the ears of some of the other rough outlaws pillaging their way throughout the Caribbean. Caesar's name caught the attention of one pirate in particular, perhaps the most infamous of them all, the notorious Blackbeard. Blackbeard deigned to pay a visit to Cape Florida and meet the ghost of Biscayne Bay. When he did, Blackbeard was so impressed by Caesar that he invited the great warrior to join his crew and made Caesar a lieutenant on board his flagship, the Adventure. And so Caesar and his men sailed away from Biscayne Bay and returned to the high seas. He joined Blackbeard in many adventures and exploits, proving always to be a noble and loyal officer. But the English authorities finally caught up to Blackbeard in November of 1718, cornering him and his men at Ocracoke Island in North Carolina. Caesar and Blackbeard fought fiercely, 
but they were trapped and outnumbered by the British. As their foes closed in on the adventure and boarding parties began to swarm onto the decks, Blackbeard ordered Caesar below to set off the ship's magazine and blow the whole lot of them to kingdom come in a blaze of glory. Caesar raced to the lower decks, but he was too late. He was intercepted by a British soldier and taken captive. Blackbeard was killed in the fighting soon after. This would be the end for Caesar, a great warrior who had lived an exhilarating life. He and the other captives from the crew of the adventure were taken to Williamsburg, Virginia, where they were tried for their crimes. Every one of them was quickly found guilty, sentenced to death, and hanged. But the legend of Black Caesar lives on. So there you have it, the legend of Black Caesar. Or rather, you have our version of the legend. You see, the legend of Black Caesar, like all legends, is alive. It grows and evolves each time it is told. Legends like the story of Black Caesar come to us as living relics of the past, and through them we can see back in time. We know that this story, or some variation of it, has been told since at least the 1760s, during the brief era of British Florida. In fact, it is our friend the mapmaker William Gerard de Brom who made the first known documentation of a place called Caesar's Rock. If you look at the southern end of Elliot Key on the map, sure enough, there it is, a tiny island in the middle of a cut between the larger islands. This cut is likewise named Caesar's Creek, and it is said to be the spot where Caesar liked to launch his attacks. But did Black Caesar really exist? If so, is there any sign of him left behind? And if not, then where did the stories come from? There are no contemporary primary sources that attest to the existence of a real black pirate of Biscayne Bay. And while the promise of buried pirate treasure on Elliot Key has attracted a hearty helping of treasure hunters over the centuries, no trace of such a hidden stash has ever been found. There is no iron ring affixed to Caesar's Rock, nor any evidence that there ever was one. In fact, the only hard evidence for Caesar's existence besides the legend itself, are a few circumstantial details in an account of Blackbeard's defeat at Ocracoke, and deposition testimony taken of some of the other condemned pirates from Blackbeard's crew, which suggests that there was a black crew member on board the adventure named Caesar. Historian Devin Lay, one of the few researchers actively studying the legend of Black Caesar, writes, quote, Told in oral history since at least the 1760s, the legends are best understood as an invented tradition of the Conch people, Bahamian sailors who had been visiting the coastal region of southeast Florida for centuries and who eventually settled there. End quote. In other words, the story comes to us from the Bahamian settlers at Cape Florida, the men whom de Brom named the New Providence Men. Undoubtedly, these rugged English sailors many of whom were the grandchildren or great-grandchildren of the real pirates of the Caribbean, told the Brahm a ripping yarn of Black Caesar, the great pirate who used to sail the waters around Biscayne Bay, inspiring the mapmaker to affix Caesar's name forever to the features of Elliot Key. 
The Legend of Black Caesar is one of the oldest tales that makes up Biscayne Bay's identity. It has been told and retold for some 250 years by the people who have lived here. As Lay writes, quote, Beginning in the 1870s, the legends became an essential part of the cultural identity of the mostly white Biscayne Bay communities that predated Miami. Learning about Caesar was a rite of passage for white migrants who, partly as a result of their close proximity to early black settlers and virtual poverty, embraced an understanding of race relations that was relatively progressive. End quote. Indeed, there are many accounts attesting to the popularity of the legend at this time. Henry Edward Perrine, upon his arrival in 1877, joked that he was looking for Caesar's treasure. The Coconut Grove yacht designer Ralph Monroe learned the story from his Bahamian neighbors and wrote that Biscayne Bay was, quote, invested with the spirit of piracy, for this was the stronghold of Black Caesar, end quote. The homesteader Charles William Pierce wrote of sailing to the Punch Bowl, a well cut into the cliff-like rocks near today's Allison Wainwright Park, which, quote, in pirate days was made and used by Black Caesar, who would gather here with his crew and make a punch of sugar and rum, end quote. In 1893, Coconut Grove resident and author Kirk Monroe published The Coral Ship, a Robinson Crusoe-like adventure novel wherein the protagonist, a young boy, meets and is aided by Black Caesar's great-great-grandson after being shipwrecked on Elliot Key. In fact, the early residents of Coconut Grove had a good friend, Israel Lafayette Payson Jones, a black man who owned several of the small islands around Caesar's Creek, where he raised his family. Jones would tell those visiting from the north that he was the descendant of the great pirate, and the prank was apparently a source of endless amusement for the members of that tight-knit pioneer community. We will get to know these early Miami homesteaders better in future episodes, but their accounts of Black Caesar show that the legend was alive and well by the time the city of Miami was incorporated. But Black Caesar's story was still evolving, and it would soon suffer from the sordid history of racial vilification that has touched so many aspects of American society. Black Caesar's most notable mention in 20th century literature came from the pen of the Jim Crow-era author Albert Payson Turone, whose 1922 dime novel, Black Caesar's Clan, depicts Caesar's fictional descendants as crazed savages, bent on violently attacking anyone who threatens to find Caesar's buried treasure. As Lay points out, it's likely around this time that common tellings of the Black Caesar legend take on a decidedly more frightful turn, depicting Caesar as a monstrous sociopath to be feared. For example, some versions of the story describe Caesar's purported penchant for keeping prisoners locked up at his home base of Elliot Key, where he would abandon them to starve whenever he left for his days-long raiding expeditions. Other tellings claim that Caesar kept a harem of over a hundred kidnapped white women, and he was even said to imprison children. In this version, it is said that some of those children escaped one day and grew up by themselves in the wilderness, and that Elliot Key is still haunted by the spirits of Black Caesar's stolen children. It's safe to say that, by now, the legend of Black Caesar has taken on a life of its own. 
and whatever events took place in Biscayne Bay in the late 1600s or early 1700s are only loosely attached to the modern story at best. But let's be clear, there really were pirates around South Florida in those days. We know also that African slavers were active in the busy Gulf Stream shipping lanes, and that one could have easily wrecked on the Florida Keys. We can even see, in satellite imagery, that the deep two-mile-long channel of Caesars Creek could indeed make a very defensible hideout, flanked as it is by shallow sandbanks on both sides. The reckless pursuer, lacking Caesar's intimate knowledge of the channel's navigation, could easily run aground here. All the ingredients that form the foundation of the legend of Black Caesar are firmly rooted in facts. And from this perspective, it's almost impossible to imagine that Biscayne Bay was not visited by outlaws regularly. And perhaps there was, in fact, a powerful African sailor who, for a time, dominated the waters that we now call home. Since Miami's founding in 1896 and subsequent explosive growth, the influx of people has caused the legend of Black Caesar to fall slowly into obscurity. And many lifelong Miamians today have never even heard of him. But each time the story is retold, it is imbued with new life. Whether Caesar himself was a real historical figure or not, his tale is a crucial piece of Miami history that gives us a great deal of insight into our past. It shows us something that we can still see in Miami today, that it takes a certain type of person to make a home here. While the great European machine churning through the Americas could not make heads or tails of Biscayne Bay, those few with the grit and perseverance to carve out a place for themselves here, people like Black Caesar, the Bahamian settlers, and the homesteaders of Coconut Grove, have always been the ones who find, behind an overlooked facade, a rich and generous haven, hidden in plain sight. <laughs>